Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvernay, your host every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9 and streaming at AM 1290, KZSB.com. We're repeated at 11 and Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you today? I'm good. I I feel like I have so much financial knowledge now because I had lunch with you and your partner today. Yes, you did. And the good thing about the radio is we're going to share all that knowledge today. Excellent. So are, are you in, are you doing the intro today? No, I'm not doing anything. I just was setting that up for you. <laughs> Thanks. So we are pleased to have with us today my business partner and the managing partner of Arlington Financial Advisors, Joe Wyland, with us today. Thanks, Joe, for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's kind of a it's a treat to get out of the office and into the radio. And um, so the first article today, I just could not resist, even though I'm not sure it's really uh, on point. It's in today's Wall Street Journal. And it's entitled, Male Stock Analysts with Dominant Faces Get More Information and Have Better Forecasts. Wait, you're going to have to say that again. Male with Male stock analysts with dominant faces get more information and have better forecasts. Now, as you know, I was a male um, analyst. uh, analyst. I'm not sure I was uh, dominant, but I certainly was a male analyst. And what the article uh, talks about, which I think is very interesting, is that the relationship between what gender and what that particular gender look like uh, affects the uh, success of earnings projections. Um, But it is more uh, uh, correlated prior to uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when financial analysts were not uh, prohibited like they are today from receiving information that's not readily available to everyone else. When I was a securities analyst, I was able to sit down with the president or the CFO of a company and talk and ask questions um, without having to worry about, or the company didn't have to worry about making sure that everything that they told me was then uh, disseminated publicly. So the correlation is that during that period, uh, those analysts who were male and looked like uh, someone who was formidable got better information, and that better information translated into better uh, uh, performance in terms of projecting earnings. And um, I, I sort of remember that to be the case. That is, when you walked into an officer's office back in those days, um, if I, if they if they liked you and they thought you were reminded them, I guess, of themselves, they would be more open. Now today, the the relationship, uh, uh, the correlation is not as great because um, there are requirements that make uh, it, a, it a regulation that if you share something with someone, you have to share it with everyone. But there is still, uh, based on this study, um, a uh, a bias towards a males and b when the analyst is a woman, the more aggressive the woman is, the less information she gets and the less success she has. So it's like a 
a, a double-edged sword. The male gets credit for being dominant, and the female gets penalized for being dominant. Um, anyway, I thought that was really interesting, and it just shows you, by the way, how important inside information is because as an analyst I, when i was practicing years ago um you were able to get information is if you ask the right questions that was not readily available i don't even think i have anything to add on that neil for once yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting that they actually were able to capitalize this extra information and turn it into something that was meaningful you know um, sometimes you can get extra information and it doesn't really add too much well, don't get me started, but I object to the whole idea where uh, people today talk about corporate guidance. In my day, there's no such thing as corporate guidance. You did your own estimate based upon your work. Today, analysts are criticizing companies when they report that earnings were not what the company told them. Well, that really wasn't their job. Your job as an analyst should be to do your own work. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, the next article is from the Wall Street Journal also, and I, I picked this article because there's a sort of um, irony in it, and that is short, the title of it is Short Seller Attacks Icon Firm Stock. Uh, Carl Icon is one of the original um, uh, raider barons who you know began by uh, making a raid on TWA and then firing everybody and then actually, you know, ruining the company. I and think he was the character. He was what the character was based on for Gordon Gecko. Yeah, no. pro probably. Anyway, so he is a guy that has basically been a pain for so many companies over so many years and so many employees. And he's, I don't know, he's 85, 90 and, you know, still working. Anyway, his company uh, is now being uh, criticized by uh, a company called Hindenburg, which is a short seller, a hedge fund that's a short seller, which is the one that drove the Indian company down, you know, billions of dollars a month ago. And mm. I find this sort of, you know, uh, payback that in his final or his, his his later years of being a robber baron, Carl Icahn is getting the same treatment he gave to so many companies over the years. Next article is actually a combination of two articles, which is about the uh, shadow banking uh, uh, growth over the last several years. Shadow banking is basically a lender that's not uh, using uh, federally insured deposits to uh, source their money to lend. Um, these are uh, people like Al Apollo and Blackstone, uh, basically private equity that you know raises money from investors and then uh makes that money available to uh borrowers and the 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 issue here and the reason it's 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 an important article is uh they're not regulated and so when we talk about crises in the banking area uh we're not talking about the crisis that may in fact be uh a taking place in the private equity area, which has been an important substitute as banks have cut back on lending. These private equity companies have been available to make loans to businesses. And because they're not regulated, they tend to take greater risk than banks do. And to the extent that banks uh, could have uh, financial issues that would cause them to withdraw from the marketplace, we don't know uh, because there are no statistics, there are no uh, reporting requirements to know uh, what these 
private equity uh, lenders are facing and whether or not we're going to be in a position where we'll be looking out and saying, "Uh oh, they're in trouble. That's going to affect lending. Although at the same time, Neil, I think it's important to realize that, you know, a private equity company that goes out of business has a lot less ripples through the economy and individual people's, you know, life savings and banks than a traditional bank does. So if the if the private equity company is making risky investments and then are over find themselves over leveraged, they're also not regulated in the same way as banks. So what's over leveraged? But basically, if they go out of business, you have the private equity investors that go out of business, but it, you don't have the moms and pops of the world affected by it. Well, that's very true, uh, but, it, uh, but, it, but it leads it, well, first of all, it's very true. However, it does affect businesses that are relying on these sources of capital. So it would have an effect on the economy. But taking your point, it brings us to the second article, which is that Apple launched its savings account uh, app last week. And what Apple is doing is they're getting into this market. And the way they're getting into this market is retail. They're, they're, they're saying, if you um, open an account with us on your iPhone, uh, we will give you 4.15% interest uh, on uh, any savings uh, or any money you deposit with us. And they're taking the money and they're giving it to Goldman Sachs. So uh, and again, Goldman Sachs is then becoming a lender at a higher, presumably at a higher rate. So the, the problem here is you're now getting, you know, the retail investor. It's not a deposit in the sense that it's a bank deposit, but it is for the type of uh, uh, invest, type of depositors, if you can use that word, in the Apple app are typically small investors. And it's none of it's insured, other than what's insured by Goldman Sachs. So it it could create a problem, as you know, app whatever Apple does, it does it in a big way. And to the extent that they run into that Goldman runs into problem, or someone else runs into problem, again, this is not a, a clearly regulated um, uh, business to be in. Right, and I think it also, um, <clears throat> you know, lends itself to people getting involved in something that they don't know a lot about. And if God forbid something were to happen and then they end up losing all of their money, you know, if whatever they're investing in that Goldman isn't shored up by anything. Yeah, well, I guess I guess I wonder if people, your clients are going to come to you and say, should I open up an Apple account? What, what do you tell them? I, I would tell them to uh, read the 47 pages of fine print and then maybe get involved once they understand it all. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine how you know. Are you lending it to Apple? Are you lending it to Goldman? Who's the you know who's insuring this? It's it's a pretty questionable uh, arrangement, all in all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM twelve ninety and FM ninety six point nine, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. 
We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. The organization known as 911 at Ease International supports first responders by connecting them with confidential counselors. Here's Mike McGrew. 911 Addies International offers a unique pathway for first responders to get confidential counseling through culturally competent therapists. So they can make a phone call, they can get online on our website, and they can reach out, and within 24 hours, they're going to be contacted by a therapist. The results of this program have been amazing. We have testimonies of people who said that the program literally saved their life. And our mission is to keep first responders strong so that they can be at their very best when they serve this community because that's what Santa Barbara deserves. To learn more about 911 at Ease International, go to 911aei.org. That's 911aei.org. And that helpline number is 1-888-283-2734. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you're just joining us, we have Joe Weiland, managing partner of Arlington Financial Advisors, as well as my business partner and mentor. So Joe, thanks for being with us today. It is a pleasure to be on the radio with you, Diane. Neil, thank you for uh, letting Diane bring me on. I appreciate it. Any, any t- You're always welcome. You're one of our best guests. <laughs> <laughs> and even an impossible last-minute guest as needed, right? <laughs> exactly. Always, always a plus. So, Joe, let's talk for a minute about what you actually do. How would you frame what you do for people? Well, I think as Neil was gave in the lead-in, uh, we give our clients financial peace of mind. We give them a path route, pathway to achieve their goals, uh, steps along the way. And then, you know, in any kind of financial uh, evolution for a person or as they, they, they travel on their journey, it's never a straight path. There's years where you get way ahead of where you thought you were. There's years like the last couple that things are a little bit more challenging. And we help people to... Uh, Given them objective position and a view on what they're doing. Uh, what are the smart things they're doing that they should continue on? What are the things that are maybe being destructive to them financially that they should not do? And letting them know that they're actually are still achieving their net goals, even in a year where like this last one, where, where the, the financial world's a little tougher. So I absolutely you know, I th- I think you know, um Daniel Kahneman said it best when it's about really, you know, you provide that broad framework that's needed when people are thinking about their wealth. So it's not just about the day-to-day, you know, gains and losses, but really how does that money fit into their overall the people's overall well-being and and what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, that's he 
you know, I got a chance the uh, the uh, opportunity to see him speak. He actually spoke at the Westmont's uh, president's breakfast a couple three years back, and great great presentation. And he really made that clear. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize based on this, as far as I understand it. And the basic idea that people are get lost in, did I make money or not make money on that one particular item in their life? You know, did I make money on Apple stock or on you know Microsoft or is my house gone up in value or not? And and if you isolate everything into a transaction, you may miss the bigger themes of what you're trying to get done in your life. And so we try and help people have that greater context to make sure that they, in fact, uh, are achieving on the bigger picture. So, Joe, recently you were on KEYT um, News talking about the big, scary things out there, basically. What are the what are things worrying people in Santa Barbara and in the nation as a whole? Share with us a little bit about what you said and and what what you're seeing with with clients and um, friends. Yeah, big scary things. That's uh, it. There's always something scary in the economy. There's always a chance or a reason that that uh, people should stay away from the markets. They should not buy real estate. They should not. They should not do any of the things that they perceive as a little bit risky. Uh, right now, the scary things. Uh, the the two things that are obvious for everybody across the nation are n- number one this banking crisis. Are we in a banking crisis? Are there going to be other banks that fail? If they do fail, how does that impact me? And then the second thing that everyone's concerned about, and I think this is pervasive throughout the, the economy, is, you know, is inflation real? What is that going to do? How does inflation affect me? And locally, I think people are, they're a little dumbfounded and and worried about housing prices. You know, will my children ever be able to afford to live here? Uh, are we all going to get priced out? Does everyone have to move out of town? You know, these are kind of these big, scary things. They're, they're financial questions, I think, in everyone's life at this point. Um, the banking crisis, you know, they, we do have FDIC insurance. You do. Everyone is um, protected up the first quarter million dollars. And so we know that that's a relative safety item. Um, I do think that the longer that the, the time between when the first bank fails, that becomes a shot across the bow of every single banker and every single bank all across the nation. Everyone is doing whatever repair work they can be doing personally in their own banks, uh, fixing anything that's not shored up, you know, probably as we speak. And so the longer we go between that initial time and uh, as the Federal Reserve stops their raising of interest rates, I think we get to relatively safer position just because people are able to to address whatever issues they may have. I find I that interesting. I find that interesting that you you didn't mention the debt ceiling as something that people worry about. Is Before that a political we get to the debt question ceiling, or a financial though, question? <laughs> Before we get to the debt ceiling, I think uh Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger had, you know, the Berkshire Hathaway um shareholder meeting this past weekend. And I and I think, you know, Mr. Buffett said it best when he said, you know, what happens with Silicon Valley Bank and the other banks that that went out of business is really you had bankers trying to hit it rich like tech technology companies and giving themselves big bonuses and losing sight of the management of the bank. And, you know, when I heard him say that, I I, I thought, you know, that's that's exactly what happened with Silicon Valley Bank is they wanted to be in technology. Instead, they were in banking 
and they put these big bonus structures out there to become wealthy. Hmm. I didn't hear that quote. That's a great quote. I like that. It's probably, so, yeah. So Joe, let, let's go back to Neil's question about the debt ceiling. What are you hearing about the debt ceiling? Where do you see this, this headed? Um, you know, it, it is a real concern. The date keeps moving up. We're now on June and here we are on, in May. What, what are you telling worried clients about it? The, the debt ceiling is a real issue. It, to, in my mind, it's, it's a political football, probably more than is true default of the U.S. government. If you hold uh, U.S. Uh, notes, T-bills and, and such, you will get paid for it. Uh, will there be a delay? So whatever kind of true default, as we like, as they like to throw around, of the U.S. government there would be, it would be a delay, not a default. Okay. Um, meanwhile, you have two political parties that are are playing the the rebel without a cause. They're playing a game of chicken as they run towards the cliff. And who's going to blink first? That's a political conversation in my mind. And hopefully, they just both blink at the same time and get this thing resolved. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say on that, Neil. Well, I, I, I think the, the, the problem is for someone that has uh, a focus on their short-term stock portfolio. I think that if the uh, debt ceiling were to go to uh, a, a, a deadlock and we uh, quote-unquote defaulted on at least in terms of current payments, I think the stock market would take a huge hit. And, um, you know, investors, I would think right now, who are more likely or not to consider short-term performance as something important, they would be more focused on that than anything else. And, and, and I guess what you're saying, that's not really the case, at least from the standpoint of your clients. We do our best not to jump to whatever the, this week's crisis is, because I can tell you, as soon as this crisis is uh, solved, there'll be a new one showing up that's either real or imagined, and certainly will be used to sell radio time or TV time or ad space somewhere. So you don't want to get too focused on whatever the, the, the daily crisis is. Uh, it tends to make people do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah, uh, Of course, you know, there's the discussion among uh, some economists that to the extent that um, we do default, um, uh, it would take some of the growth out of GDP so, uh, so that at least for the short run, so that it could have an impact on not just you know the current stock market, but the stock market over uh, a longer period of time, particularly if it has some impact on uh, corporations optimism and they start cutting back on you know production and hiring so i mean they're you know not to catastrophize but you you can make the case that uh it's going to be very hard for these two groups to come up with a deal and if we don't have a deal um i'm not sure some of the uh extremists are going to be that worried about uh, the dislocations that could take place well i think the dislocations could be huge i think it would also immediately get uh get inflation down to where the where the fed would want it to be two percent or below we, we could be struggling with the opposite of inflation if they do not raise the debt ceiling yeah um the, the, you know that's like you know um you know getting uh 
you know, getting fired uh, saves you money on commuting. So, I mean, it's not, it's a tough oh, way. Right. To, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a silver lining. Notice I didn't right. follow that, but. Well, I mean, there's parallels between this and the banking crisis. And, <laughs> and the parallel is that in fact, both these are very real. It may not affect you in the first order, but the second order is there. So if the banking crisis, a number of banks fail, or they they try to shore their their uh, the strength of their bank and they quit lending, that slows down the economy. Uh, just like if, in case of uh, the debt ceiling, if that does get, uh, if we do breach it and we go into default, that just slows down other parts of the economy. And so that is more second order. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. What defines our community? Is it the people? The businesses? Is it the ranches, vineyards, and farms? We think it's all of those, and we're committed to helping our communities thrive. Homeowners existing and new, businesses looking to grow or bring up the next generation, our regional agriculture managing their seasons, crops, and livestock. We're American Riviera Bank, and we invest in our communities. In you. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. May is Asian and Pacific American Heritage Month in recognition of one of the nation's fastest-growing population groups. Nearly 24 million people in the nation are of this heritage, over 7.2% of the total population. California has the largest number of these residents at over 6 million. Nearly half of Hawaii's population claims single-race Asian and Pacific American heritage. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Money Talk brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Joe, you know, we had um, a few weeks back, we had Peter Hubert, who's the... um, executive director and economist, executive director for the economic forecast at UCSB and um, economics professor. And we were talking about recession because that's definitely on people's mind. 
Um, I'm not sure about you, but a lot of clients call me up and say, are we in a recession? Are we going into a recession? Where does this fit? And, you know, Peter's line was funny because he, he, he just said to, to me, well, if you're not in a recession now, then one is coming, right? Which is kind of funny. But talk us through why we are not in a recession right now. Okay, so, so there's always a portion of the economy that's in a recession. And if it's your portion, then it's very real to you. Uh, but broadly, the economy is not in a recession. We're still growing. That's happening. Uh, in in my opinion, as to why why are we not in a recession, even though interest rates have been rising, uh, the the simple answer is there's so much money out there um, through the COVID process, and I'll call it the process of uh, you know trying to keep the economy strong. We as a as an, a society pushed an enormous amount of money into the economy. I still see people, my clients with different businesses that still are sitting with cash balances they never had going into the recession. Uh, they can't hire enough people. They're still trying to develop, uh, you know, broaden the, their business offerings. If you take a look at our different restaurants, how many restaurants that you know of are still not open seven days a week that used to be seven day a week restaurants? And it's because they can't hire people. So the economy is not, it's not just about in recession right now. It would take another calamity or two. And I think of it simply because there's so much money in, injected into this system. Um, you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, which was kind of a greens, green energy uh, bill. There's an enormous amount of money there to be spent still. Uh, in fact, I don't think it's even begun. There is the infrastructure bill there is any, which is, you know, tr we're talking trillions of dollars bills. We're not talking about multiple hundred million dollar bills. So in that respect, it's very hard to have a recession when everyone's got, you know, money in their pocket. You know, what's really too, too bad is that because there's so much politics going on, you, you can't have fiscal policy and monetary policy working in tandem. So in the, current situation the fed is essentially acting on its own you're you're not able to coordinate and so uh fighting inflation or stimulating the economy they're not working together because the uh uh fiscal side is is so um uh, un, uh is so divided among the the political parties that you can't count on them to do the right thing so it it, it results in a kind of a heavy-handed monetary policy and, and that, and I think coupled with also the fact that there, you know, what was the jobs report that just came out, you know, to the surprise of everyone, another half a million dollars, half a million jobs were created last reporting period. You know, normally you can't have a recession if everybody can find another job, if they lose theirs, even with all the tech layoffs that have been going on. So when, when you're talking to a client, how many client conversations are um, similar to the conversation we've had the last three, four minutes. Uh, are people talking about their own particular situation mostly, or are they looking at macroeconomics? In other words, are we making this up that people actually think in macro terms, but when really they're thinking about how they're gonna take care of their sick grandmother? Good question, good question. And it's, it's uh, for me working with clients and, and the clients that I'm interacting with, it's it's kind of an evolution. I'll call it a life cycle of working with the client. I'm you know uh, 
senior partner, uh, worked with the, the, the bulk of my clients that I've worked with. I've been 20 years or more that I, that I've, I've worked with them. We've been through so many different crises that they're not as likely to get excited about these next crises. They're financially much stronger than they were 20 years ago, five years ago. They know exactly where they're at. So we tend not to uh, dwell on the crisis of the day. Now, that said, you know, I'll get two or three people who come along and, you know, uh, you can you can tell which media they consume by what questions they ask. Okay. If you want to know about someone who's got a very, uh, they, they consume liberal media, they're going to concentrate on the debt crisis. Yeah, if they consume conservative media, they're going to be concentrating on the, the U.S. dollar as the uh, currency, you know, the global currency. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't listen to that much media, so I don't know that the uh, um, global or the, the, the debt ceiling is covered how it's covered in the conservative media but it might not be covered that thoroughly I, i'm not sure but people people that uh, consume the conservative media do not ask me about that you know what's interesting the beige book is an important part of the fed's uh decision making information flow they they they, they want to see what each president of every uh, federal reserve branch is seeing in their community but a financial advisor really is in that position for the community that they're in. You're you're getting uh, feedback from uh, a whole host of different people, so it puts you in a unique position to to have a sense of at least what's happening in this economy. We oh I I have long maintained that on mass I learn more from my clients than I learn from any other source, and you know every single time I have a client who's going through any kind of transaction they're doing, anything that they've got working, I ask them as many questions as I can think about because I want to really understand who they are in the situation. I want to understand the situation. I want to understand the forces that are operating there. Um, I have to say, it, every time I, well, all my interactions, I have to say my career has made me an eternal optimist because everyone's operating well. Everyone's trying to make things happen the way they, they best can. And when you have an economy that has, is filled with that group of people doing the work they do, um, the economy continues to do well. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the American experiment has been so successful. Everyone's out there operating in, in, in unfettered ways to make their lives better. It's so interesting you say dealing with the client base you have, you became an optimist. I'm older than you, and I spent my time on Wall Street dealing with institutional investors and I came out very pessimistic about the world in large. And on that note, uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. 
Our plants and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Sweet strawberry icing. You were strolling along in goodwill when just past that mid-century side table and denim jacket you spotted them, nestled in their display case. Miniature donut earrings. Oh, yes! Yes! Your favorite half-breakfast pastry, half-all-day dessert food, made into your favorite form of ear candy. Oh, my. Those bejeweled sprinkles have satisfied some unknown hunger within you. Shh. Do you smell that? That's the sugary scent of shopping success. For this is Goodwill. And with every item you buy, you fund local job training and more. So go forth. Bring home those donut earrings. And bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Joe, let's talk in this post-pandemic world, if you still think that you know, that the U.S. market is a good indicator of kind of what's going on globally. And should you should we be using, for example, the Dow to measure the success in in the markets? Good question. Good question. Uh, Is the U.S. indicative of the world as a whole? I would say yes, although, you know, the U.S. seems to be unique and it's it's the most um, most dynamic of the big economies and currently this year the uh the euro uh actually the european stock uh indexes have been stronger than the u.s stock indexes and that's been fun to see again for a change um is the dow the best indicator i think at this point you can't even use the dow you have to use the dow the s p and the nasdaq because they seem to kind of tell different stories uh when you know Nasdaq and you know if you used only one indi- indicator or index, it would probably be the S and P because it's the it's somewhere between the two. Nasdaq being very tech heavy, Dow being more traditional biz- business heavy, and then the S and P being in between those two. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the one I look to. Although I always like to see what's going on in the Nasdaq because that that's kind of where the excitement of the world has been. And so let's transition for a minute as a as a business owner. So as a business owner, what are you seeing that's new and different? And how do you think business is reacting in a post-COVID lockdown world? And do you see it being sustainable? I think that as a business owner, the, the surprising result 
that that came out of COVID was or is continuing to be the lack of available um, candidates for jobs. You know, there I haven't heard about any industry where there's a surplus of uh, potential hires for any any job anywhere. Uh, I can't imagine trying to fill. You know, my daughter works for the YMCA of Greater Greater Seattle, and she's getting camp counselors for the summer camps. And these are not high paying jobs. They're they're hard work. And how do you how do you even fill those kind of roles these days? And yet we still have kids that need to go to camp. And that's throughout. It's true of the financial service industry. There's not that many candidates available for uh, for jobs that uh, that we have to offer. It's fascinating to me. And so would you say that finding candidates is the biggest challenge of being a, a you know new employees, being a business owner in today's market? I think so. I know for ourselves that uh, you know finding new clients is much easier than finding new employees. That's a fact. Um, getting good results for clients, that's not that difficult. You know there, there's you know certainly I, I would think if you're looking for uh, office space, there, that's probably been easy it's been easier than ever currently. So I think finding employees in a 3.4% unemployment rate nationwide, it's still an unbelievably low number. I remember, in, and Neil, I don't know how you always feel about it, but I always thought of 5%. If you're at 5%, you've got a, you've got a strong employment situation nationally. And 3.4 is, you know, what is that, 33% less than 5%? That's when I went to school, uh, I think they said full employment, 6% unemployment rate. That was full employment. Yeah. Yeah. So at 3.4, it's, um, you know, there's always, you know, maybe 1% in transition at all times, they say. Uh, 3.4 is just not that many people that are out there to, to choose from. Yeah. But, uh, but, but the real question is, what are, what's the quality of the jobs uh, and where is the growth coming from? You know, is it coming from, you know, waiters or is it coming from t tech workers that are making six figures? I mean, that, that that's the I think we have to go deeper than just looking at numbers. Well, I think it, it goes across all spectrums, though. You know, if, if we go back to what we were talking about, Joe was talking about earlier, you basically have restaurants that can't open full time because they don't have the staff to or they have the available tables, but they don't have the staff to serve people all the way to professional services jobs yeah. and technology jobs. You know, I, it's across all, all businesses and it's, it's somewhat confounding to figure out where are these people, where are they coming from and how could it potentially help the social security, you know, um, numbers because we don't have people working in these empty jobs. You know, turning for a second to real estate, uh, is it possible for a firm like yours to give up your large space and just have a couple of conference rooms and do all your work remote and just come into the office when you're seeing a client in person? And if that's the case, is that something that you could extrapolate out as another factor in why uh, commercial real estate is not particularly looking good these days? It's it's interesting to me. Number one, the answer is yes. You could You could just say... We're going to go completely virtual with a, a meeting space or two. 
And Diane's been doing some work with uh, different uh, groups across the nation. And there's a few of them that have done that, firms like ours, and maybe even larger firms. Now, I don't think that you can have a corporate culture in a specific way you interact with clients that you can replicate the way you want to to ensure really top quality client service. I think you need to have people coming into the office. I think you need a sharing of uh, ideas and mentoring and really propagating the way that we do things. Uh, and that has to be done face to face. Otherwise, you're just never going to see what your what your staff is doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also, you know, uh, think about how easier it was going to work than not working. You know, I find myself as a retired person getting involved in all kinds of nonsense that when I worked, I was too important to have to do. And, uh, you know, working in an office can be fun. You know, you could walk down the hall and have a cup of coffee with a friend. If you're at home, you know, it's usually let's take out the laundry together. It's, you know, it's, I think the current, I was reading an article just the other day about the people who are most benefited from the office relationships are the younger, new, you know, call them millennials or not, either younger than millennials and the Gen Z and younger. And they're also the ones the least willing to come into the office, you know, so they're not getting the training. Uh, they're not getting the mentoring. They're not forming the relationships with their coworkers that then, you know, you think about over the course of your career, how many things did you get helped with 10, 15 years later from an old friend that you used to work at with at X, they called up and said, hey, I got this person that you should meet, you know, and if you don't have those years ago that you became friends around the water fountain with 20 years later, it still has impact on you. So um it's it's interesting to kind of kind of think of how this thing's going to play out but i do think that's the the big pandemic uh echo is going to be this this lack of employees or or the that uh the the lack of candidates yeah i think office space will come back because you know in the 70s all in new york all these big businesses like pepsi cola and ibm moved to the suburbs and after 10 years of lead, eating in a lunchroom with the same people day after day, people got stale. Whereas if you worked in Midtown, you walked across 53rd Street and you met somebody and you talked about something and it gave you an idea and you went back and around with it. So I, I think that ultimately to have a vibrant economy, you need to have a central place where you can exchange ideas. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we'll be right back with our final segment. Our family has been here in over 30 years. We've always been in the hospitality business. So when we're looking for a bank to finance our deal, American Riviera actually stepped up for us. They know Santa Barbara well. Right now, we don't have any plan to open another hotel, but if we do in the future, we'll be talking to American Riviera Bank for sure. You can bank on American Riviera. We do. American Riviera Bank, bank on better. The Santa Barbara Museum of Natural History has a special exhibition called Drawn by a Lady. It features the works of women authors and illustrators who studied the field of botany in Victorian England. Here's Luke Wetland. So this is an awesome show that's in our Maximus Art Gallery, and it's actually called Drawn by a Lady. And what it does is it features the work of eight women. Very little is known about these women who are really 
pursuing real science. They are looking at microscopes, they are studying plant physiology, they're describing plants that they're growing, and they're publishing their findings anonymously, or it's published under their husband's name, or it's simply noted that this botanical book was drawn by a lady, hence the name of the exhibition. To get more information about the Drawn by Lady exhibition at the Santa Barbara Museum of Natural History, go to sbnature.org or call 805. 805- 682-4711. Welcome to the Farm to Table Radio Hour, where we love to talk about food. I'm Sam Edelman, General Manager of the Santa Barbara Farmers Market Association. We're here Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays and Sundays at 9 a.m. If you ever want to call into the show, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 805-564-1290. So feel free to call in with your questions or comments on AM 1290 KZSB, the station that talks about Santa Barbara. to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So do you find that your clients are um, uh, very interested in, in in the political environment, in the financial environment? Are, are they... Uh, much more engaged uh, uh, than you saw 10, 15 years ago? Is, is, or is it just my imagination? I think they're probably more engaged than they were 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but they're all unique. You know, there are there are some that, you know, it's just really about grandchildren and cats. There's some people it's all about um, their business. Uh, some people it is. They just want to talk politics, uh, you know. And, you know, and I'm a centrist. So when you, if you're a centrist, people like to pry, poke at you from both sides. And, and it's kind of, it, it, I find it entertaining personally, but the people who are on the extremes are more on the extremes than they ever were. So it's an interesting, uh, I think, I think the polarization even impacts what, what we do. And do you find your clients to be, you know, very engaged in the news and what's going on? I don't get that sense. I, you know, I, I get the sense that they're, they're not that aware of what's going on. Um, uh, Richard, can you let Diane back in? The, uh, they may be very engaged in the news, but, uh, you know, I, I have not, uh, personally experienced that they seem to be more tuned in than they used to be. Uh, so, so, so so tell us what, what, what makes, um, uh, Arlington different from the other firms like yours? I think the thing that's different about Arlington right now, we're seeing a lot of consolidation in, in our industry, and there's a lot of our business, a lot of our competitors, we'll call them. And I say in a lot of ways, we're not competitors; we just happen to be in the same business. Uh, but other firms in our our business or our industry are very focused on growing their business. If you get 90% of what you read is how do you get new clients, how do you maximize your yield, how do you do this and that. We're not focused on that. We're not focused on trying to buy the, the next uh, small competitor. Uh, we're very focused on our, our clients. We know that if we take care, good care of our clients, the growth happens, which is the way it's been. And we've honestly have more, more business than 
you know, than we need at this point because we're trying to hire these people. I don't know if I got that theme to you before, but we're still looking for uh, new new financial advisors. It's it's really interesting. We've had a very bad stock market the last year year and a half, and yet the uh, I, 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 from what you're saying, there's been very little client loss, which just shows you that you've got them thinking the right way as opposed to short-term performance where, you know, years ago, if the broker didn't do well, he lost the account after six months. And I think that client churn is, is an example of really having the clients not really understand what the purpose of having a good advisor is. Well, and I think that goes back to what you were saying is because we're helping people deal with their aging parents and, and help them to understand not only financially, but emotionally, how to take that next step forward in their lives while dealing with these, you know, these heavy emotional and financial issues. Well, yeah, and particularly if the older person you're trying to deal with is yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, th thank you so much again for 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 being here, Joe. Um, and um, you know, if I were if I were thirty years younger, I would probably uh, be applying for a job there because I think it's it's a great business, and the way you've developed it certainly is something that you should be, and I'm sure are proud of. Uh, so thank you for being our guest. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah.